0: It's our first Sunday back, it's already 10.53, we've we've only been doing about an hour worth of church uh, on Facebook Live, so we'll see, we'll see where we get. Uh, But God is good, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts, the eighth chapter. We started out this year, for the first two months, preaching solely from uh, Acts, the second chapter, if you remember, we talked about the end of the chapter, about Um, how the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to worship. So we talked about all of these things that the, the disciples devoted themselves to, the early church devoted themselves to. And so they did that, but then all hell broke loose for them. And, and we talked about what they did to start this year off, the first couple months, and then guess what happened in the world, <laughs> right? All hell broke loose, and I'm not using the word there as a swear word, so don't fire off an email to me, or uh, write me off, or write Ichabod above my forehead, or on my forehead. <clears throat> but... After the disciples devoted themselves to that, after the apostles devoted themselves to this type of lifestyle, then that's what happened. Craziness ensued. So I want to read just a little bit about, um, I want to read a little bit about how they responded to to what happened. And so let's read it. Acts 8. And I'm going to read... um, Acts 8, 1 through 8 is where we're going to start. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Let me give you a little backstory in the seventh chapter of Acts. Um, Stephen is t- preaches this great sermon, and then he's taken out, and he is stoned to death. Um, and Saul, who would later become Paul the Apostle, holds the coats of the guys who were throwing stones at Stephen. I guess when you're throwing a stone, you want to be able to get full range of motion, and so sometimes you got to take your jacket off. Well, Paul said, hey, I'll hold, I'll hold your coats for you, fellas, so you can throw the rocks a little harder. Don't be a coat holder. This, this isn't in my notes. This is going to be free. Uh, <clears throat> don't be a coat holder for people who, want, who like to throw stones at other people, all right? If there are people in your life who like to come to you with the latest gossip or the latest story or the latest uh, dirt on somebody, don't hold their coat while they throw stones. Well, you could say, well, I didn't say it. No, but you listened to it. You were holding holding their coat. Don't be a coat holder like Saul because their blood will be on your hands too. Man, that really wasn't in my notes, but you know it's from the Lord. Must have a bunch of coat holders in here. John, will you hold my coat? (laughs) All right, Saul was one of the witnesses. He agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And then, this is astonishing, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. You think you're suffering right now, and I'm not trying to belittle anything that anybody's going through. I know people have been laid off from jobs. I know people have lost their jobs. I know people have gotten sick. I know people have lost uh, friends and lost loved ones. And I'm not trying to belittle that at all. But every single believer moved according to the scripture. And we're about to find out why, <laughs> except for the apostles. Um, And then it says, but some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging both men and women to throw them into prison. Dragging them out of their houses. How would you respond to that? How would you respond to that? I mean, we, we, we get a little bit of persecution and... Our world turns upside down. We get a little bit of persecution and we think that, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too deep here. But we get a little bit of persecution and we're looking for scapegoats. We're looking for people to blame. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Whose fault is it? Who didn't respond well enough? Who, who did this? Who did that? But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus, wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria Samaria, and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs. He did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that. City. Lord, I thank you for the scripture. Lord, I pray that we would um, read it correctly and then apply it to our lives. God, I pray that you you would change us today. You would draw us today. You would do a work in our hearts and in our minds today. Make us more like you. Help us to become followers of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the, the, the church was being persecuted. Some heavy persecution. Their world was turned upside down. They were literally being dragged out of their houses. But but what do we see from them? We see they continued to spread the good news. What did they spread? Good news. What are you spreading? What are you spreading when pressure's put on you, when a little bit of persecution comes on you, when your world's turned upside down like it is right now? What are you spreading Good news or manure? (laughs) Some farmers in here you know there's manure spreaders. What are you spreading? What are you spewing right now? Does it look like the gospel? Because I tell you, if you came in here this morning to hear me talk about um, how that one political uh, side is doing better than the other political side, well, you came to the wrong place. And if you came in here to to say God's on the side of the donkeys or God's on the side of the elephants, well, you came to the wrong place because you're not going to hear that out of me. I'm not going to waste my time standing behind a pulpit spewing that kind of nonsense. You know whose side God is on? Let me tell you real quick. The poor, the immigrant, the naked, the hungry, the thirsty, The unborn, those who cannot speak for themselves. And you know what? Find me a politician who lines up with that. They don't exist. I'm not here to prop up an elephant or a donkey. I'm here to talk to you about the lamb. Amen? God raised up a man. Yeah, he did. His name was Jesus Christ. I'm not here to to scapegoat or tell you the latest conspiracy that i've heard or that i think might be true i'm not afraid of anything well spiders i don't like spiders and i don't like snakes and i don't like mice either they're little and they're small but if i see one my feet will not hit the floor for a while i used to work at a fast food restaurant and we had a mouse trap underneath the desk it was one of those that you could hear him go in and be like, click. And it, was, it wasn't one that would kill him. It was one that would catch them and then scare them to death, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it was humane. <laughs> it was humane. Uh, anyway, I'm sitting there doing paperwork, and I hear a click. And the mousetrap was by my feet. You think I sat at that desk again? No. Where was I going? Oh, I'm not scared. Except for mice and snakes and spiders. But I'm not scared of some... Some New World Order. I mean, the only thing I can tell you about New World Order is that it made Hulk Hogan have a really bad beard for a while. <laughs> I'm not afraid of that. I'm, why? Because I follow Jesus. And he said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he wasn't talking about Bill Gates. He was talking about the gates of hell. yeah but have you heard no, and i don 't care because I follow Jesus, and i 'm not scared you 're not going to see you're not going to hear me talk about how that six 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 is somehow a chip inside of a vaccine I, what i've read the book of revelation that's not what it says okay i'm getting way off I had a friend send me a a video of this pastor's sermon, and it was an hour long, and it was not the good news of the gospel. He didn't talk about Jesus. He didn't. Did he, Pastor Walker? We watched it. He did not talk about Jesus. He talked about um, the, Roosevelt, the Roosevelts, the Vanderbilts, all the rich people in the world. He talked about how they try to run things. And Listen, if you want to dive into that, dive into that. But I want to dive into something. I wish I had a real Bible with me. This is what I want to dive into. I want to dive into the Scripture. I want to dive into Jesus. Because Because they were dragging people out of their houses and murdering them. And guess what? The church didn't die. No matter what they come at us with, no matter what the world tries to do, it's not going to kill the church. So let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. Don't trouble your mind with so much. Martha, why are you so troubled? Mary has chosen the better. She sits at my feet. She tunes into me, not to news. She tunes into me, not to whatever. All right. Well, it seems like I had a point somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if my notes can save this sermon. When, uh, when the church faced real persecution, and, and I've had people tell me, well, you don't think this is just something against the church, this disease, that, you don't think they're just coming after the churches? Well, they closed the bars in the casinos, too. So I guess I, my answer to that would be no, if you're going to press me. When when the church of Jesus Christ faces persecution, when they when they face unrest, when they face pressure, what comes out of them is the gospel. What comes out of them is the gospel. They spread the gospel. And church, we have an opportunity right now. In times of unrest, where everybody is afraid. I'm not going to be one of the ones who's spreading manure. Or are you calling my opinions manure? No. I'm calling anything other than the gospel manure. I'm going to spread the gospel. I want to be of the church of Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And if they come in the doors and say, you have to shut down or we're taking you to jail, then I'll go to jail. And I'll tell my cellmate the gospel. Or I'll write letters like Paul. No, they won't be good like Paul. <laughs> Wherever you find yourself, whatever situation you find yourself in, mm-hmm. preach the gospel. Amen. Preach the good news of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not scared. If to live is Christ. To die is gain. All right. What was I talking about? I was trying to find a point in here somewhere. Let me get to my first point. The first point was the church being moved out of its comfort zone will open up opportunities for ministry. We're being moved out of our comfort zone. We were. I believe that the church is going to come back stronger than ever before after this. I believe that with everything that's in me. Why? Because we are more ready to tackle the media age or whatever. We're we're more equipped. We we have the tools. We have been fine-tuned. I believe the church will come back stronger. I don't know about you, but I've felt the Spirit of God in this place. Like, I haven't felt felt in a long time. But it's probably because all of us are together, you know. But I believe the church will come back stronger if we continue to follow Jesus and preach the gospel. All right. We're, We're being moved out of our comfort zone, yes. Some of you look like you're wanting to stick me up, you know, like you When I first got up here, I saw the Mass. I thought, is this a holdup or what's going on here? (laughs) But that's all right. These are new times. But they present new opportunities, right? New opportunities to preach the gospel. The message does not change, but the methods sometimes have to. And we have to be open to that. We can't be... When change comes, and change will come. I mean, look look at church history. I mean, you think we're... We're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Jesus is just about to come. What do you think they thought when they're being dragged out of their house? You want to talk about persecution? And then the next time the evangelist comes to town, it's the guy who was dragging them out of the house. Think very many went to hear him the first time? But I believe that we have a unique opportunity, unique perspective, a unique time in church history... To be Jesus. To let the spirit of God be poured out upon us. I believe God is going to pour out his spirit. But we have to be open to it. And we have to be ready for it. And we have to be um, good administrators of it. The the power of the spirit. This isn't Pentecost Sunday. But the power of the spirit comes to be a witness. You shall receive power. And you shall be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of Jesus. And the gospel message. Okay, so the first point was (laughs) the church being moved out of its comfort zone will open up opportunities for ministry. People like Philip in in the story here were forced into places they would not have normally gone. But because of that, people who probably would not have normally been ministered to were ministered to. I don't, I don't think that God caused the persecution. I don't think God caused Stephen to be murdered. But I think that through that God brought good. I don't think God has caused this pandemic to come upon the earth to teach us a lesson. To teach us to be. I saw something that said, "Oh, well you know God wants to teach us to I can't remember what it was and I thought at the expense of millions of lives God wants to teach me a lesson? God does not bring about pandemics God does not bring them on he, he 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 takes what is bad and what is wicked and and what is painful and he turns it into something that will be beautiful he can take a situation if you give it over to him just like if if you have uh, have done something horrible in your life God can take that and turn that into something good Can take that and make something good come out of it. He'd take your beauty and turn it, or ashes and turn it to beauty. We take beauty and turn it to ashes. He takes ashes, turns it to beauty. Okay. So the believers who were scattered preached the good news. They preached the good news. There's lots of fake news coming from believers' mouths right now. (laughs) There's lots of fake news coming from pulpits. That pastor, that that Walker, and I. That video that we watched. I was like, this is not the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And like I said, I'm not going to waste my opportunity to preach to you by talking to you about how great one politician is over another. I'm not going to take God's name in vain by saying he's on someone's side politically. I told you who, what side God is on. You can't find a politician that lines up that way. God is on the side of the marginalized The least of these. That's the side God lines up on. And if you're not on that side, probably not on God's side. I whispered that so many of you wouldn't hear me. Put your mask back on. I can't tell you're making bad faces when you have your masks on. (laughs) Shoot, I'm just telling the truth. (laughs) Like I said, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm here to talk about the kingdom of God. What kind of kingdom am I here to propagate or spread or to talk about? Jesus' kingdom, his kingdom, not uh, Canada's kingdom, not America's kingdom, not Mexico's kingdom, not the United Nations. I'm here to talk about the kingdom of God. And if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that and we can spend all day on that. But I don't want to go too, down any, too many other rabbit holes and talk about other kings and other kingdoms. Because to me, they don't matter. Yes, you should, you should be an educated voter. Yes, you should educate yourself and, and in that way and, and engage, um, be a good citizen. Yeah, I'm not telling you that. Don't confuse that with allegiance to Jesus. That's where your allegiance should be. We should pledge our allegiance to one thing and one thing only. And it has nothing to do with colors. It has to do with a cross in Jesus Christ. And that's where my allegiance is. Why? Why are you, man, why are you being so controversial? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. I mean, I believe that the cross is the most important yeah. moment in history. Coupled with the resurrection, of course. All right, let me, let me move on. I'm just having so much fun there, though, so. <laughs> All right, here's my second point. And I've only got three, so. And this one's much less controversial. The second thing that the church should do right now is listen to the Spirit. Philip listened to the Spirit. The Spirit said to Philip, walk over there by that chariot. And the scripture says, Philip ran. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The second thing I I, I want to say to the church right now is be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Philip was quick to obey. He didn't say, Oh, I don't like to meet new people. He didn't say, Oh, he doesn't look like me. He didn't say, Oh, he's not my kind. He's not, we don't share denominational beliefs. He's pre millennial, I'm post millennial. <laughs> I'm non millennial. <laughs> I'm Jesus is coming back. That's all I know. <laughs> Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So the spirit said to Philip, walk over there. And he ran over there. He ran to the side of an Ethiopian eunuch. This man, it said, had come to Jerusalem. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that eunuchs were not allowed in the temple. So this man comes all the way to Jerusalem. And whether he knew or not that he was going to be allowed in the temple or not, we don't know. But he comes all the way to Jerusalem. And he doesn't even get to go in the temple to worship. But the Spirit sends Philip to him. A Spirit-led person will be led to people who religion gives up on. A Spirit-led person will be led to people who the church has written off. A Spirit-led person will be led to people who everybody else says they're beyond hope. You want to be led by the Spirit? Listen to Him and reach out to those people, because that's where He will lead you. That's where He's leading you. Oh, I just don't know where the Spirit's leading me. Should I have McAllister's for lunch or should I? Where is Spirit? Spirit, what should I have? The veggie chili or should I indulge and get the regular? The Spirit's not interested in that. I mean, you have some people that pray about stuff like that. The Spirit is interested in saving people and bringing people to Jesus. And that's what we should be interested in. A Spirit-led person will be led to people that the church has given up on, that religion has given up on, that religion has no place for. That's where the Spirit's taking you. It's taking you to those people. Because guess what? We are those people right? We are. We're all outcasts. I mean, we can put on a suit jacket and Dollar General socks and (laughs) TJ Maxx shirt. And we can try to dress it up. But we're all we all need Jesus. We're all hopeless without him. We all need Jesus. So when you hear me say things like, those are the people, I'm not trying to say those people. I'm saying we're all those people. We all need Jesus. The Spirit will lead you to to people that religion has deemed worthless. The Spirit will lead you to people that religion mocks. The Spirit will lead you um, to people that others will say they have no place in our church. That's where the Spirit will lead you. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Let him lead you there. Amen. <clears throat> okay. N- another thing the Spirit will lead you in is uh, in this story of, of the Ethiopian eunuch. I didn't read the whole thing, but he's sitting there and he's reading from the book of Isaiah and he says to Philip, hey, is this guy talking about himself or somebody else? And Philip then opens up the Scriptures and reveals Jesus to him through the Scripture. The Spirit Uh, Being led by the Spirit will lead you to people that the others have given up on, and the Spirit will cause you to interpret uh, Scriptures, or I'm sorry, will cause you to, uh, Christ to be revealed to you through Scriptures. I wrote it better than I said it. Let me read it then. The Spirit will lead you to use the Scripture to reveal Christ. The Spirit reveals Christ in the Scriptures. We have a lot of people searching the Scriptures, trying to figure out who um, the Antichrist is. A lot of people... Uh, are searching the scriptures, trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come. 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. I read that book. I was at Christian Skate Night um, on Rosh Hashanah in 1988. Worried. That Jesus was going to come, and I was going to be mad because somebody else was couple skating with somebody else. I don't remember what it was. But in 1988, I was scared to death because this guy had searched the scriptures and he knew that in 1988. Well, then guess what? It didn't happen. So guess what book was published really quick after that? 89 Reasons Why Jesus Didn't Come Back in 88 but is Coming Back in 89. I read that too. And during Rosh Hashanah of 1989. No. People are searching the Scriptures looking for things other than Jesus. People search the Scriptures for other reasons. Jesus Himself said in John 5, 39-40, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to Me. Yet you refuse to come to Me to receive this life. The Pharisees knew the Scripture. They had it memorized. Front and back. And Jesus said, you've missed it. And a lot of churches, a lot of pulpits, a lot of people, a lot of Christians are missing it. They're looking to the scriptures to defend their um, political beliefs. They're looking to the scriptures to defend their theological beliefs. They're looking to the scriptures to, to weaponize them and use them against certain other people. when we go to the scripture we're to look for Jesus. Jesus will be revealed to you if you're led by the spirit and if you get some great revelation in scripture like man I think I just found 88 reasons in here what year is it? 1987 I've got one year I better publish this book If you have a revelation like that, not quite that silly, but if you see something like, oh, I think this is telling us where Jesus is coming back. Or, you know what, I just found the United States of America in here. We're the eagle, or we're the lion, or we're the bear. No, you're not. Read the scripture to find Jesus. If anything, we're Babylon. Read the scripture to find Jesus. Let him be revealed to you there. Spirit-led scripture reading will lead you to Jesus. I just keep repeating myself. I'm sorry. Jesus came and oh, I, let me let me let me let me go back before I get to that. See, I I, I always write it better than I say it, so I'm just going to go back and make sure I read it or i said it right uh, a true reading of scripture will point you to jesus if your reading of scripture makes you paranoid or afraid you're reading it wrong if your reading of scripture reinforces your racism you're reading it wrong if you're reading of scripture i mean i know that's funny and we laugh and we think well how could that be it happened you know i've read letters from pastors in support of slavery during or pre-civil war And they use scriptures in their argument. If your reading of scripture makes you think that you are God's lawyer and you walk around bringing charges against everyone and everything, you're reading it wrong. If your reading of scripture makes you think you can say a 30 second prayer and punch your ticket to paradise and then live however you want and treat people however you want, you're reading it wrong. Spirit-led or spirit-filled reading of Holy Scripture will point us to the radical love, the radical lifestyle, the radical inclusiveness of Jesus Christ. Jesus broke the social norms, racial barriers of the day. True reading of Scripture will point you to this Jesus and compel you to follow him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right? Right? But what does that mean? We've taught that it means say a quick prayer and, you know, mentally assent to Pastor Walker talked about it last week when he talked about, basically preached us a gospel message last week, back to the basics. We have taught that, oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, he's the only way you can get to the Father, but that way is a quick prayer one time, punch your ticket, and off you go. Now live your life as you, I'm not saying this church has taught that, but it has been taught. That that is the way. That's, that's how Jesus is the way. But I want to tell you that, that I think it means that the way to get to the Father is the way that Jesus went to the Father. Yes, it's through him. We, we, we do ask him to forgive us of our sins. We do ask him to help us, and, and, and we do turn our lives over to him. But then we follow the lifestyle that he lived. We want the lifestyle of Jesus, the power, the, the anointing, the resurrection. But we don't want the lifestyle of Jesus, the forgiveness, the loving your enemies, the, uh, all that stuff. We want the life without the lifestyle. The way to the Father is the way that Jesus went. Many churches will say Jesus is the way without ever even knowing the way or talking about the way. In the Sermon on the Mount, we've reduced to some cute little thing that we can teach kids in Sunday school, but it doesn't belong at, at uh, serious theological discussions. Where serious theological discussions should start with the Sermon on the Mount. If anybody should be our basis, it should be Jesus. I mean, he, he either is the way or he's not. All right. Okay. And, and, you know, let me say, I do believe there is a, a starting point for an, anyone that follows Jesus. You know, I'm not belittil- belittling the sinner's prayer or, or any prayer that you have said when you started out your journey. I do believe there's a place to start. In Acts 22 through 24. So, a- Acts 8, 22 through 24. So, in, in the, the eighth chapter of Acts, and this is where I'm going to try to land. And you know what? I'm going to bring the band up. That will hurry me along. Go ahead, band. You can come up. That will make me put a... I haven't got to preach to faces for a long time. I mean, preaching to Walker and Isaac walking out grabbing donuts while I'm trying to preach. I mean, that's... I'm just kidding. (laughs) How can you get any inspiration from that? But in the 8th chapter of Acts, it's kind of what we've been talking about, how the persecution has come to the church, or or the world got turned upside down and what they did, how they responded. Um, But then in in 22 through 24, we have this guy following Peter around. And he says, Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed. Pray to the Lord for me, he said. This guy Simon wanted the Apostle Peter to do the praying for him. And there, there is a point in, in your life where mama prays for you, where grandma prays for you, where the pastor prays for you. But there comes a point in everybody's life where they're the ones that has to submit. You're the ones who who has to finally do the praying. I can pray for you till I'm blue in the face, but until you submit to God, it doesn't do any good. Until you submit. This guy, Simon, he's like, Peter, you pray for me. I've seen your prayers do great things. My prayers can't redeem you. My prayer can't get you right with God. I can pray for you, and I can pray that you come to that place. But there is a point that you have to do the praying. There's a point where you have to submit. And I know what it's like. Some of us in here feel like we're hopeless, we're too far gone, we've done too much, hurt too many people made too many unforgivable mistakes. We have been deeply wounded ourselves. We have wounded others. Some of us are carrying scars and hurts that weigh us down, and then they push us to wound and to scar other people. Some of us have done things that we're so ashamed of, and the enemy whispers, as soon as they know who you are, they're going to abandon you. As soon as they know the truth. Have you ever had it? Uh, that thought? As soon as they know the truth about you, they're gone. They're going to they're mock you. They're going to abandon you. As soon as they know what you've done. As soon as they know the truth. Well, you know what? I know the truth about you. I do know the truth. You know what the truth is? The truth is that you are a son or a daughter of God. The truth about you is that God loves you so much that He would stop at nothing to come to you. That He laid down His own life, His own desires, His own dreams, His own uh, wishes for you and for you alone. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes and pray And bow your heads. And man, this has been a message that was all over the place.